Sri Guru Parampara ki jai. Grantaras Srimad Bhagavat ki jai. So we're continuing our discussion of the Chatur Shloki of Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the second canto, ninth chapter. Tonight we come to verse 33, which is the first of the four uh, verses. We've spoken extensively about the verses already. Um, by way of introduction, and there are two introductory verses to the four, which give a forecast of of what's to come. And, of course, what's to come includes not only what's said in the verses, but um, all that uh, Brahma will realize in terms of their significance uh, through the blessings, the grace of Bhagavan, and through the uh, sadhana, or spiritual practice, that um, is rec- will be recommended. And so we've played that out to some extent, whereas um, in some death where the verses themselves deal in another sense with some very basic points, these points, many of which we've raised, arise out of them, are the implications of them and so forth. But the verses themselves deal with some uh, very basic uh, kind of Gaudiya uh, philosophical uh, points, foundational points that, um, as I said earlier, make these verses somewhat of a hub, one of the hubs, if you will, that the Bhagavatam revolves around. Other examples of that being the famous Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, which is one line of one verse in the third chapter of the first canto that speaks about the tattva of uh, of the of the Bhagavatam uh, that uh, that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, um, and Rupa Goswami or Diva Goswami is called the Pariba Sutra, the the sutra that un- un- unlocks the the, the kind of like the password to understanding the tattva of the book, um, the implication of which is that many verses uh, in the text might appear to say something different than Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami, but given its position, that statement, and and whatnot, uh, they are to revolve around it and be understood properly in the context of that statement. Another such hub, if you will, as I mentioned, I believe earlier, is the the trance of Vyas, which is mentioned in the seventh chapter of the first canto and revealed by Sutta Goswami to the sages. What happened to Vyas? What did Vyas experience when he was advised by Nara to sit in, in meditation and so forth um, as a remedial measure to his despondency, all of which gave rise to the writing of the Bhagavatam. So if you understand the trance of Vyas there... They gave rise to the Bhagavatam, which is sometimes referred to as as Samadhi Bhasha, the language of Samadhi, of Vyas. Um, it means also that we have to enter into Samadhi to understand the Bhagavatam, a significant part of the day. Um, and... Um, and And given that his experience is described to some extent, and we see that it's described in very foundational philosophical 
uh, terms to the to the um, overall metaphysic of Gaudi Vaishnavism. We'd say a chinti beta beta, the, 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 the Bhagwan, his shaktis are mentioned, and so on and so forth, and how they indirect clearly making it making it very clear that the text is not about uh, a um, uh, shakti less, if you will, uh, Brahman, um, Nirvishesh, uh, Brahman, uh, Anadvaita Vedanta type of uh, take. It, it, it can't be misconstrued uh, to be such if you understand those verses. So that's another hub and a very practical one. If you want to know what the book's about and how it works, well, let's go to the that which gave rise to the book that's described there, Vyasa's hmm? trance. And so this is another, these four verses of Krishna to Brahma. And so they are l- largely a... Uh, a good part of them constitutes kind of a refutation of the idea that ultimate reality is uh, Nirvisesh Brahma. Hmm? It wants to, uh, the verses posit that the, the ultimate reality is is the variegated um, reality of the personality of Godhead and his abode and the interactions that uh, take place there that constitute Prem-bhakti, and so on and so forth. Um, and along with that, of course, an explanation of the world. Uh, as a Shakti of Bhagavan, it's very different from, for example, the Advaitin idea of the world wherein the world doesn't exist. It's, an, it's a superimposition upon Brahman. And it's not actually there. Uh, and so on and so forth. There's no individual jivas, ultimately, and this kind of thing. So... Um, this is uh, largely what it, it, it deals with uh, in terms of the sambanda, and as we uh, discussed, there's three topics that will that the four verses do cover: sambanda, abhide, and prayojana. And uh, the first two deal with the sambanda, the third deals with prayojana, and the fourth deals with the abhideya. And again, these terms mean sambanda means. R- Relationship, so relational, relational knowledge. Hmm? We, for example, are defined, understood in the Bhagavatam ourselves in relation to something, not unto ourselves, so to speak. Um, and that, of course, includes knowledge of Bhagavan's form and his shaktis and how they interact. And then we have the abhideya, which is the, the, the means. The, the kind of activity that the conceptual orientation of Sabanda fosters, which is actually bhakti, and then the prayojan is the fruit, the result of acting in a bhakti, uh, out of a bhakti conceptualization and so forth. So uh, we may recall, as we, we're going to come to the first two verses now tonight about Sabanda, we may recall that there is, in the two introductory verses, we... We heard jnanam paramaguyam me yad samanvitam. We heard that the knowledge that is going to be discussed in the in these two verses is confidential. It's paramaguyam. Paramaguyam, guyam means secret, so supremely secret, 
supremely confidential. Hmm? And um, and knowledge of the form of of, of, of God of the personality of God is is, is is like that. It's it's confidential, very much in the sense that it cannot be known unless it is revealed to us. Hmm? So it's not. I mean, you can think about it for yourself. I mean, you you could you could be very introspective, and um, and and arrive at a theoretical and somewhat, I believe, a practical understanding of the idea that you are consciousness and consciousness is different from the brain or different from matter. Um, as esoteric as that is for your average Kmart shopper or talking head on, on, the, on the television, it's, it's not that hard to uh, to to uh, arrive at through uh, uh, reason. Hmm? And now, by contrast, hmm, to if you want to make an argument for consciousness being independent of matter, which is kind of the one hundred and one of Vedanta. That's one thing. To make from there an argument for the existence of God and that God is a person, that he has four arms and sometimes two arms and a flute and pastimes and there's rada. And <laughs> you can understand you're never going to arrive at that just by turning your wheels uh, or by very uh, 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 concentrated uh, introspection and so forth. This is something that uh, has to be uh, revealed. So it is uh, confidential. Hmm? It's a secret that uh, that if someone wants to tell us, then we can know. Otherwise, otherwise not. So he says, Ganam Paramaguyam. So the Ganam, there's four things mentioned in that introductory verse. Ganam, and it's Paramaguyam Ganam. There's Vigyanam. Hmm? There's Rahasya and Tarangam. Now we discussed these, which is to go over in brief. Ganam means knowledge. Vigyan means realization. Gyan could mean um, the knowledge of of God's opulence, like Narayan, and Vigyan could mean V means like special Gyan. It could mean knowledge of the Madhurya hmm, of Bhagwan, which is special. Or Gyan can mean theoretical knowledge, and Bhagwan can be saying, and he's saying all these things. I'm going to give you knowledge from the scripture, theoretical knowledge, which is a great, strong, powerful, prominent form of revelation um, by which your intelligence can become engaged spiritually for knowing something beyond what it could unto itself. So I'm going to give you theoretical knowledge and practical knowledge, which means wisdom of realization that will result from uh, a push which the Shastra gives us, the theory, theoretical knowledge gives us to to apply that knowledge and come to realization. Now, um, another thing, and I didn't mention it, but it, but it's relevant here as we come, especially to the second of these two uh, verses tonight. Uh, vigyan can also mean uh, a well, a special a special kind of knowledge, as I'm saying, but that could be visheshgyan. It means some knowledge of differentiation. 
between the jnana that corresponds with the form of God. In other words, there's knowledge about the personality of the Godhead, and then there's special knowledge about the relationship between that form of Godhead and his shaktis, visheshkan. So taking it like this, these two words in, in the uh, first of the two introductory verses, jnanam and vigyanam, Bhaktivinotakur has seen them to, understands them to apply jnanam to the first of the chatur sloka verses and vigyanam to the second. And jnan meaning very confidential knowledge, that means knowledge about the personality of God, that God's a person. Hmm? And he's the very person who's standing before Brahma and has revealed himself, uh, and so forth. And the vigyan then applies to the second verse of the chapter book, where the shaktis of Bhagavan and interaction are described. So gyan, vigyan, gyan, and vishesh gyan. Hmm? You follow? Hmm? Then rahasyam is the third word in that introduc- first introductory verse. That's a secret, that is prem. And that's the third the third verse, so it explains the prem. And tadangam, what does tadangam mean? Rasyam tadangam cha. What does angam mean? No, limb, limb. So rahasya along with its secret, what is the secret? What is the limb of prem? Hmm? Sadhana, which is made up of so many angas, so many limbs. So the fourth verse then is ta- is, is about tarangam, about the sadhana, about practice, and about abhideya, hmm, correspondingly. The third verse is about rahasya, or prem, which is the prayojan, the goal. The, fir- the second verse about how the, shak- the shaktis of Bhagavan, the pr- the, the, basically the, the, the maya shakti, the jiva shakti. And the first verse is about Ganam and and Ganam and that referring to the wonderful and extraordinary knowledge of the personality of Godhead. So the Gyan and Vigyan is Sambanda Gyan. Hmm? Knowledge of the form of God and the Shaktis and how they interact. Hmm? In a basic sense. The th- third verse about Prayojan, the Rahasya. And the fourth verse about Abhideya, Tarangam, the, 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 the uh, Sadhana Bhakti. Uh, and its fruit, it's of 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 mature bhakti, like from green mango to ripe mango, hmm? mango. Hmm. Uh, hmm. So, from sadhana to to, to prem. So here he says, then in the first verse, "Hamevasam eva grey, nanyat yat sad asad puram paschadaham yaritachcha." So, Bhagavan Sri Krishna says here uh, three times in this verse, Aham, Aham, Aham. And Aham means I. I, I, I. Hmm? The, uh, our charges dating back to uh, Jiva Goswami have um, uh, emphasized and onwards you know, to present time, this word uh, I, the personal pronoun, uh, Krishna is speaking, and he's speaking about himself, and he says, uh, Aham evasam evagre, 
before Agre, uh, the manifestation of the world, I am. Hmm? After the world manifests, hmm? I am. And when the world becomes unmanifest, I am. Hmm? And I am alone, hmm? he says. Hmm? It is only me that exists before the world, before anything else. Only I exist. And when it manifests, only I exist. And when it becomes unmanifest, only I exist. It's only me, he says. So this is a very much of a, of a, uh, an abed emphasis. As you know, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, our metaphysical worldview has been termed by Shijiva Goswami Prabhupada Achintya Bed Abheda. Hmm? So Bed means difference, Abed means non-difference. So the idea is there is a, is a, there's a oneness and a difference that are inconceivable and as they permeate and they interpenetrate, I should say, one another. And not that, that the Godhead or ultimate reality, let's say, is sometimes one and sometimes different, but they're one. It's one and different at the same time, in a, in a manner in which the two pe- interpenetrate one another, which is logically um, in, inconceivable. That you could be immanent and transcendent, to use different terms, at the same time. Hmm? Uh, it could be singular and plural at the same time. That you could be one and different at the same time. Uh, that you could be singular, and then sometimes you'd have a plural manifestation, and then but to have them both at the same time, and interpenetrating. It's a little difficult to to grasp. So the term achintu is being given to that, and um, achinchikolo. What is it? Achinchikolo jebhava. It is said certain things are beyond conceptualization. They're achintya. Hmm? Um, there may be examples by which we can. Ex- we can try to explain this oneness and difference. Sometimes the example of, of fire, heat, and light are given. There's fire, and it has heat and light. Heat and light is its energy, so to speak. Um, but here he's saying, I'm the fire, and I'm only, only, there's only the fire, and uh, in the beginning, in the middle, and the end, there's only me. I, I, I. Hmm. So this is very much a weighing in on the bade, uh, abed side. Hmm. When we come to the second verse, he'll speak about the bade, the difference side. And to some extent, it carries on into the third verse as well. So we have these two. Um, uh, in a basic sense, the, there's only God. There's only Krishna. Sometimes people, when we speak about our material conditioning, and it's problematic for us, and we want to know the cause, and we're told, well, you're the cause, or karma's a naughty without any beginning. That's just the way it is. Some things will never change. <laughs> this can change, though. <laughs> that can change. That's, we're, we're fortunate but that bhakti comes and makes this possibility to change that. Um, not that it has no beginning, but that it can't have an end. That, that can be changed. So... Um, when we speak about that, sometimes it becomes a little uncomfortable for us. We sort of think, well, gee, I mean, I've been in a material existence forever. I didn't have a choice. I just suffer and and uh, and um, there's some kind of play of God to, to bring me out. Uh, it sounds torturous uh, in, in, in a sense, in the name of play. But, 
course, there's that's a very simplistic explanation, but a simplistic take that often people kind of grab onto um, instead of gravitating towards a very like a metaphysical way of looking at things. But to do that for a moment, uh, one way out of that apparent problem in the heads of some people is to, is to emphasize this particular point, this particular side of the equation, bade obeyed, obeyed. There's only Krishna. Who's to blame? Hmm? And we haven't come to the statement that we are his shaktis, that comes next, but, but despite that we are his shaktis, and in that sense different, we're dependent upon him, and in another sense, from another perspective, uh, we, we're not different from him. So there's only Krishna. Hmm. And so who's to blame? Krishna's doing what he does. Um, that's a... Uh, we have to gravitate towards such a metaphysical outlook. If we go from the other side and we emphasize the abed or, or the bade, we'll say, then it's your fault. You have some minute will and you're, you're, you're always doing making choice of some sort and, and so on and so forth. So, um, at any rate, here he kind of weighs in on this side of the equation. So, with regard to I am and only I am before there is anything else. That anything else means the world. Hmm? And what that's constituted of will be described in, in, in the next verse. But when he says, only I am, he is speaking about himself and what else? His Swarup Shakti. As I've often said, there are three principal Shaktis of Bhagawan. The Maya Shakti, the Jiva Shakti and the Sarup Shakti. The Maya Shakti, Jiva Shakti, and the Sarup Shakti are one with Krishna and different from him at the same time. But some of them are more one and some of them are more different. Hmm? So the Maya Shakti is more different. And on the other end of the spectrum, the Sarup Shakti, Shakti is more one. So, so much so is that the case that the Sarup Shakti is more one especially in relation to Krishna, Swayam Bhagavan. Hmm? Krishna is defined by the, by the Swarup Shakti. The more the Swarup Shakti manifests, the closer we come to Swayam Bhagavan. The more the Swarup Shakti is not manifest, the further away from Bhag- Swayam Bhagavan and Bhagavan we become. Therefore, in Brahman conception, Swarup Shakti is, is not, uh, not, not functioning there. Hmm? And Brahman is not dancing. More the Sarup Shakti, and Bhakti is, of course, constituted of that Sarup Shakti. So, the, the more the Sarup Shakti is in the picture, the closer we come to Swayam Bhagavan, and Swayam Bhagavan is here speaking. So, when he says, only I existed, it means, along with my Sarup Shakti, because as Prabhupada used to like to say, Krishna is never alone. Hmm? He is Sarup Shakti and he are one. They're slightly different, <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, for example, Radha and Krishna which are one, in two forms. The love and the object of love, you can't have one without the other. You can't have love without an object of love. And you can't have an object of love without love. So they're inseparable, uh, they're, 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 but, they, but nonetheless they're, they can be talked about as, as if two, although they're a unit that constitutes one. So when he says here that I alone existed, well, we already know he's shown himself to Brahma. Hmm? 
we didn't go over these verses, but there was a revelation, certain different associates of his were there and so forth. Um, in, in, in the revelation, Lakshmi was there, he saw a four-armed form and so forth. We've reasoned that now he's manifested as two-armed forms. So, so, but Brahma's seen all these things. So when Krishna says, before everything, the world, hmm, which you in one sense are the beginning of, Brahma, hmm, I existed before all this, and before all that you're going to do with regard to your task of creation, I existed, hmm, and uh, there was nothing lacking. Hmm. It was full and complete, so you wanted me to make sure you didn't become proud. <laughs> your whole show is, is not very significant. He's going to talk about that. And, but he, he, the point here I'm making is that he's he implying I existed along with my Leela Shakti, my my uh, my associates, and so we are one. When the Kumaras, to give an example, came to Vaikuntam, and they were not allowed in at first by the gatekeepers, Jai and Vijay, uh, Narayan uh, came out of his palace and came to the gate to see what the commotion was. And uh, when he saw and understood what had happened, he said to the Kumaras, Oh, I, I have offended you. The Kumaras are very smart. They're big gannies, so they understood the implication of his statement. Hmm? When Narayan said, Oh, I've offended you, he, they understood these people here, the Jai and the Vijay, the, the, the gatekeepers and everybody else, he says they're one with him. Because he didn't offend me, they did. But he said, I've offended. What my people have done, hmm, I have done. They, they are mine. Hmm? They, he and I, Isha and I are one. We're, we're on the same page. Hmm? This kind of so this is the relationship of Bhagwan with his devotees and with his Swarup Shakti. It's it, he's much more one with them than different. Indeed, it, it, it very much the, the measure of the manifestation of the Swarup Shakti, the nature of it with regard to the the the, the particular of its of its Samvit and Ladini hmm? as a corresponding form of Bhagwan. Hmm? That is, that is the I that he's speaking about. Hmm? So uh, he's not, as probably he's not never alone. Hmm? Hmm. Bhagavan in his Harup Shakti, just like in the trance of Vyas, it's very clearly stated the Maya Shakti was there, seen at a distance, the Jiva Shakti, struggling under the influence of the Maya Shakti and so forth. Hmm? The Sarup Shakti isn't mentioned directly, but it's implied as it is here. And the example is sometimes given, the moon and it shine. Now in three days we'll have a full moon. The poor name here. Hmm? And so we'll appreciate it's, it, it. The moon comes along, the shine comes along with the moon. The moon and the shine are are, are, are one. Hmm? Yeah, they're a little different too, but mm-hmm, they're a package. They, they, come, they come together. So, uh, Vyas saw in his uh, in his his revelation. He saw Bhagawan in his brilliance. I mean, he saw him with his Swarup Shakti, and that means with all of his playful leelas and and so on and so forth. So, Krishna's first eye here is is emphasizing this point. I exist in my own world, so to speak, hmm? under the uh, in, in conjunction with my Swarup Shakti that. That governs that world of play and leela, and uh, it's and 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 and, and, and sometimes 
another world is manifest. And sometimes it's unmanifest. Hmm? I'm always there. So there's a... a as it is a place of going to from which one never returns, hmm? it always is. Hmm? And then there's a world that comes and goes. This coming and going of the world cycles, this is compared to the breathing of the Vishnu. When he says, I alone exist, it means I as Brahman, I as Paramatma, and I ultimately, as I'm standing before you right now, as Bhagwan. Hmm? Again, he's not saying, I exist in a provisional sense hmm, when the world is manifest, as I am standing before you here, and um, when the world is unmanifest, then I, as you see me now, standing before you, don't exist. There is only Nirvishesh Brahma. He doesn't say that. Vishwanachakvita hmm? says, he's pointing to his chest like this, saying, I, 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 just as you see me here. Hmm? He says the same thing in his in his commentary in the Gita when Krishna says in, uh, what is it, seventh chapter? Uh, that, um, hmm? No, that's a good one too, but and that parallels this to some extent, the chapter sloka of the Gita, first of the of the four verses there. Now he says, um, He says, My Maya is, is insurmountable. My it's my Maya and it's insurmountable. It cannot be conquered. But those who surrender to me, then it becomes possible for them to. Hmm? So um anyway pointing to his chest, emphasizing himself. As you see me here, I exist when the world of your creation hmm, uh, no longer exists. Uh, I exist. Before it was manifested, I existed uh, alone. When it exists, when it exists, I, we have to get to that, I alone exist also. I, I am the world... <laughs> Uh, as as well in a different sense than uh, as the uh, uh, Swayam Bhagavan who mm, transcends the world of comings and goings. This is, of course, the function of the Paramatma, the manifesting of the world, and it's uh, winding up and so forth. The Paramatma is there, hmm? transcendent, he exists. The Jivas of the world are there, the Maya Shakti is there too, in a sense, but it's it's we know that it's in a, in, a, in a condition called susupti, where it's kind of closed down and, and unmanifest. Hmm? Um, and and in, the, in the larger sense, as I say, the emphasis here is I with Leela in my Vaikuntha and Golokam, hmm? Vrindavan, um, I exist, I am the ultimate reality. Not as some philosophers like to think, that the any manifestation of form hmm, uh, representing the God that is something provisional to use for some time to meditate on to come to something that's that's beyond that um, it, that's ineffable and formless and so on and so forth. So again, this is paramakuyam. This is why this jnanam is paramakuyam, very confidential and very difficult to grasp. Hmm? Um, 
I'd like, I was saying the other day how Prabhupada used to emphasize that Krishna is a person. He's real. Hmm? And when someone would say, well, what does it mean, Prabhupada, there were the five horses and the reins on the chariot and, and so forth, what, you know, what is this metaphorical implications of all that? He said it, it takes five horses at least to run a, run a chariot. You know? In other words, he, he would say, there's, a, there's a chariot, he had five, there were five horses and there was Krishna and he, he, he's there and, <laughs> and uh, he didn't want us to kind of metaphor Krishna away altogether. So that's a very esoteric idea. What Krishna is saying here is reality is a person and it's me. It's kind of like the Gaia um, conception of, what is his name, Love, Lovejoy? But hmm. scientists some years ago came up with the idea that the earth is an organism. It's a living thing. Hmm. And we're, I guess the implication, I never studied, but I guess the implication is, and we are, you know, part of that. Like I'm, I'm a cell of the earth. And so get out of this human-centric uh, conception of self and see yourself as part of the earth that is the, the, that is the organism that is and... Um, with this in mind, let us live a, uh, a environmentally um, correct uh, uh, lifestyle instead of separating ourselves from the earth and then using it for our purposes. So this must be the, uh, the implications of his idea embraced uh, as, as it was by the environmental community. Uh, so, in a bigger sense... Reality is a person, it's just not us. Hmm? Um, we're a person too, but we're a contingent person. Hmm? We're a dependent person, hmm? a dependent entity. We have a will, but it's not independent. In order for it to be uh, fulfilled, activated, uh, uh, bear fruit, or what requires some sanction. Hmm? So real, he's saying reality is a person, and it's me. And you can see this is quite a turning of of heads for our, our, the way we live our lives. We tend to consciously or unconsciously see the world as if it's me, kind of it's for me. It's um, I'm the, I'm the center, so to speak. I'm the subject, as Pujapachita Maharaj used to like to say, and matters the object. So I'm using it for my purposes. Now we have to turn the other way and see there's a super-subject, and as matter appears to be dependent upon me and derive meaning from me, hmm, so I am dependent upon and derive meaning from the super-subject. So there's a very different way of, of living our lives. This is the kind of paradigmatic shift, internal shift, that we're trying to, you know, bring about with with like drops of water in the form of sadhana and talks like this on the stone of our hearts that is atrophied, hmm, in in in, in, in hardened and in and pointed in in in, in, a, in a different direction because when we see matter, hmm as something to exploit for ourselves and don't look up and see ourselves as something to be exploited hmm? for Bhagwan's purpose. As Sridhar Maharaj used to like to say sometimes, using a, 
American phrase, no taxation without representation has no place in bhakti. The Americans said to the British, if you're going to tax us, then we want to be represented in the government. Hmm? So we're not going to pay any taxes unless the taxpayers have representation in the government and determine what the taxes should be spent for. Hmm? So this is a, a foundational kind of, you know, call of the American Revolution. Hmm? There will be no taxation without representation. Hmm? The Americans were a British colony and they didn't have any representation in the British government and they were being taxed. Hmm? Um, but this doesn't apply in bhakti. We can't say to Krishna, hey, you know, if I don't have something to say up there about how you're going to use me, then, I, then I'm, they're not going to get, I don't want to be used. Hmm? <laughs> this is <laughs> not how it works. Uh, so there's, there's, there's no place for that. Hmm? He's the autocrat. Hmm? The despot. Hmm? He's depicted like he does what he wants. Satya Sankalpa. And we think sometimes, we have people say, I don't really like that very I, that idea very much. Of, uh, it doesn't sound like a very all attractive idea of God. He does whatever he wants and, and, and he's whimsical and uh, 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 a despot and a. Um, and so on and so forth. Of course, you know that, that doesn't speak about the, 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 the. It wouldn't be wouldn't be bad to have a dictator if he had a heart of gold, so to speak, and he was and, and, and he dictated and mandated and uh, was an, was an autocrat of of affection. As I've said before, the more that the control hmm, is a control that arises out of affection, the less the controller will look as such. I'll give an example. If you control someone by physical force, you know you're being controlled. That guy just tied you up hmm, and you want to get out. If someone should control you mentally, by manipulating you and so forth. You might not know you're being controlled. You might need a friend to say, come on, get out of there. Get out of that relationship. That's terrible. He's abusing you. Hmm? And until you get out, you, you can't quite fully realize it because you're dependent on it. You're getting something from it. You're allowing and so forth. So the mental type of control is, is more subtle, but it can be more comprehensive also. You could untie yourself, escape out the, out the window or go under the door or something. Uh, but mental control is maybe a little difficult, more difficult. It's more, it's more difficult to acknowledge or recognize that you're being controlled, you're being manipulated. It's more subtle. Hmm? And if we go from physical to control, to control to mental control, to control by the heart, I could control you by love. Hmm? It's impossible to get out of that one. That, that's, uh, and in that, the wonderful thing is, if I control you by love, that means... You, you, you love me, then I, there, suddenly you do have representation, hmm? in a sense. And, and, and you're one with me, hmm? and different at the same time. So, so the Krishna, the, so the point is that the more the controlling is done by affection, by love, the less it appears as a controller. So Krishna's 
you say he's a despot, he's an autocrat, he's controlling, and then this this conjures up a certain picture, like this guy's got you know a big army belt or something on. He's a, you know, the, you know, the, you see the dictators here in South America, you know, or uh, you know they're always wearing the army khakis and so forth and that kind of thing. And some of these uh, communist regimes would, on the holidays, you know, parade the missiles through town and. The tanks and you know we're in control. Just wanted to let you know, you know, isn't it great? <laughs> uh, and so forth. And so you know, you, you talk about he's a despot, he, whatever he wants, and people go, this doesn't sound very attractive. And then you point, well, this is him, you know, and here he's just playing the flute, and and he, and he seems to be controlled by his cowherd friends, by his mother. He's tied up by his mother. Hmm? Now, how can the guy that's controlling everything, hmm? you know, and, and no one has any say? He says, I'm the enjoyer of everything. Everything belongs to me. The implication is nothing for your enjoyment. Nothing belongs to you. It's like, I'm starting to choke, you know. Then he says, Suridam, Sarvabhutanam. Those who know this and accept it, they're my friends. Now you become the friend of the person who owns and controls everything and you can push him over. Hmm? Yeah, he allows for that. Hmm? That is the nature of love. So there he is, tied up by his mother. Hmm? Uh, wrestled to the ground by his friends and so forth, and he's the controller of everything. So you have to look again and see, yes, but by affection's force. And so then the idea of a despot, hmm, an autocrat, a dictator, and so forth, <laughs> which sounds very, uh, for our Western uh, sensibilities of independence and no taxation without representation and rights and uh, and so forth, it, 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 the idea becomes softened and very, very, very charming and... Uh, and, and, and so forth. So, at any rate, it's, it's, uh, so this this idea of the the, the paramaguyam, ganam paramaguyam, that it's the secret knowledge about Krishna. So we were talking. He is, he exists alone before the creation. It means with his associates, and then the implications. What does he do there, and what is he like, and so on and so forth. Hearing about that, you see, that will be very effective in softening that hardened, atrophied, stone-like heart hmm, that has uh, come about as a result of looking at the objective world as if it's mine and I'm the despot and I'm in control hmm, and the things are just there for my, my purpose and my value what this, uh, and I attribute value to them or not and, and so forth and I'm not looking up and seeing again myself as, as a dependent entity I'm seeing myself as the subject. I'm consciousness. Matter is unconscious. It has meaning. If the, the car has meaning, if I get in it and drive it, no driver, no the car has no meaning. Just see how big I am. Hmm? And then I'm interacting with the objective world in this frame of mind. This makes the heart hard. Hmm? This makes it like stone. This makes us mean. In other words, this is our meanness. Hmm? We're taking the world and manipulating it for our purpose. But what is our purpose? Our purpose is that which is conceived in our mind as a result of our sense perceptions, hmm? which are very limited in terms of gathering a clear picture of what the nature of being is. And so we got this distorted picture of what reality is with me kind of in the center, and then I think things should work accordingly to meet my needs and so forth. And the world is somewhat resisting. It's a little uncomfortable living inside your head. 
<laughs> it's a little small, to be honest with you. Hmm? And so we feel there's some resistance, and we're going to, and then we're going to fight with it. Hmm? And so all this is, is constitutes this hardening of the heart, the atrophying of the heart. Now the task is to soften that heart and chip away, like I said, the drops of water wither away the the stone. So with discussions and sadhana and service life and, and so on and so forth, we we want to shift conceptually. One time in Sri Mayapur, Navadvip, sitting at the feet of Pujapad Sri Dhammarajan's veranda, one of my godbrothers said, Gurmash, I've come you know, to the Dham here for a month and I wonder like what service I can do. Hmm? If I could have some service. Sri Dhammarajan said, Well uh, uh, what do you say? Try Try to change your angle of vision. And, you know, in terms of, then he elaborate in terms of what I'm talking about. The guy was like, sorry, I asked, uh, you know, I just wanted to wash some pots or something, you know. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'd serve prashadam or, you know, uh, but you're getting to something that they're really like, you know, pinching here. That that's what that's supposed to be about, in other words. I'm supposed to bring, effectively bringing about a real change in my conceptual orientation. This opens the heart, this softens the heart and makes room for this paramaguyam, this very esoteric idea to, to come in and that I am not the center, that he alone exists. He alone means I have no say, really, without his sanction. Just like a, like a tool is mine in my hand to be used as I like, I am a tool to be used in his hand as he likes. I want to become one with his will. His will is whatever he wills happens. So, hey, can't beat him, join him. Hmm? Might as well make my will one with his, then all my will, be, every, my, my every desire will be fulfilled. <laughs> Something like that. So this is very, very foundational idea. Hmm? And we're trying to like shift the ground here. Hmm? And every now and then you might get an epiphany uh, 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 as you make some progress in that. The whole struggle for existence starts to melt and come to an end because that heart is melting. Hmm? You've made it hard for yourself. Hmm? Your heart is hard. You're mean. It's no wonder the world's not <laughs> reacting uh, uh, properly. You're the despot, for God's sake. Hmm? And, and and so incompetent with your khakis and, <laughs> and your military belt and machine gun and so forth. Hmm? As polite as you can be, you know, shooting everybody, uh, basically. Uh, and, you know, however, you know, to take it to extreme, whoever philanthropic and politically correct you can be, uh, it's impossible to uh, get out of that. That's it's not going to turn the corner for you. Hmm? You have to ch- change yourself. Hmm? It's, it's huge. So, uh, very, very subtle. And you could go on doing all the things of the world with a whole different outview and, and outlook. And people would think oh, it's just like everybody else. But it's difficult to understand the Vaishnav. What are his or her motives? What's, how are they looking at the world? One thing to interact with the world, but for what purpose and so forth. So, hmm. so this is what Krishna is getting at here. This is when he says, I alone existed. Uh, before the world, be, be, before the manifestation of the world, me, my Leela, and I exist 
when the world manifests, I alone exist. Hmm? When it's annihilated, I alone exist. It's, it means to say, I am existence. Existence is me. It's a person. It's me. It's not you. Hmm? And it's me as Bhagwan. Hmm? And, and, and you see me now in my affectionate form. I've shaked your ha- shaken your hand. Hmm? I love you, buddy, hmm? my dear friend. Like this, you, I, this is what I'm like. I'm a person. This is what I'm, you should. It's, it shouldn't be a problem. This, 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 you know, giving up the no taxation without representation, the, the placards and the and the, the protestation and so forth. It, it can be affected, uh, perhaps more readily by the charm. Hmm? So he, he not only says it, but he but he is. He's a charming fellow, Krishna. Hmm? He's got Brahma in the palm of his hand. He's melted his heart here. Brahma wants to know, what can I do? How do I take advantage of what's happening to me? You're standing before, what are you? <laughs> what is this all about? Hmm? He's got him in a very teachable moment. moment. So I am before the world. When the world manifests, of course, that we played out in the next verse as he explains the Vigyanam. I guess we'll get to that tomorrow and I thought we'd get to it tonight. But the the idea being, the, well, the world is me also. It's my Shakti. It's made up of two of my Shaktis, basically. Hmm? It's, and so from the up, from the Abed, the non-different point of view, hmm? the world is him. And after the world hmm? becomes on and manifest, of course, he continues to... To be the person that is, um, uh, that, that reality is. Hmm? So again, these uh, Acharyas have very much kind of honed in on this three times I. It said three times for repetition, for emphasis. Hmm? Brahma was taught the Vedas, studied the Vedas three times, and then he proceeded with his task. And so this is often, this idea is used so Three times he mentions I. Uh, our charges have found it to be significant in the ways in which I've explained it. Are there any questions? Yeah. I don't formulate it exactly, but in, in a sense, like it's confidential information, but in a sense, it's not a secret. Like, nor is Krishna making it a secret, and it, it's in different areas of the Bhagavad Gita and it why why is it presented as, as a confidential secret? It's not like Krishna's hiding it from the world. Uh-huh. It's a secret knowledge, as I said, in the sense that if he doesn't reveal it you can't know it. Okay. Mm-hmm. In that broad sense it's it's a secret. Mm-hmm. And and and, and and so without his revealing it you can't know. That's one thing. But also, it's considered secret in the sense that despite the fact that he does reveal it and make it known, many people don't know it. Hmm? And um, they don't understand it, and, um, and they don't embrace it, and so therefore it's thought to be knowledge that's rare, that some people get, assimilate and some people don't hmm? and um, in, in, in that sense it's 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 confidential it's 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 not everyday knowledge it's not the common knowledge 
the common knowledge being the knowledge that people are preoccupied with, the knowledge of things and, and, and so forth. More confidential knowledge, of course, is the knowledge that you're not the body. Hmm? Now, we could sing it all day long and speak about it and teach it, so, but, but the number of people that get it is few, so it's uncommon knowledge. That's why the word Upanishad, the Upanishads deal with that kind of knowledge, the knowledge of Brahman, the knowledge of Atma, hmm? the difference between the Atma and the, and, and, and the world. But Upanishad means to come sit close. The idea is that, that I'll, I'll tell you this knowledge that most people are not ready to hear. It's there, it's available. Most people, there's not a teachable moment that's been created in them for them to hear it. They're, they're preoccupied with the lesser conceptions of knowledge and primarily the, 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 the gathering of things, which is was really an ignorance, and so they don't have a place for this. And so in that sense, it's, it's confidential. It's like a few people have it. Hmm? They can try to give it out all day long and still they end up with, they don't lose it, but the whole world doesn't, you know, doesn't become the common knowledge of everyone. And if you go from knowledge of the difference between uh, consciousness and, and matter, you go to the conception of Bhagwan, the smaller, the numbers get smaller. Hmm? Uh, then if you go to the conception of Krishna, the Swayam Bhagavan, the numbers get even smaller. And then you get the, the, then you got the idea that, that Krishna is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that the, the, even fewer people. So it becomes more confidential in the sense that, that it's, it's not common. Hmm. What else? It's yes. A paradox in that it, it okay, it's a secret, and like you said, I can understand it's a secret partly, largely because we're not capable to to even desire to know about it as, as a population in general. Um, it's also, I should say, confidential in the sense that even if you know about it theoretically, to actually know it That's was my next point. is very it's rare. It's being offered like this, but then it's not that simple. Because it's very com- confidential. Because <laughs> it's very, it's very, it's, it's like very extraordinary. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but it's not easy to get a hold of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like quantum physics or something. Mm-hmm. And times, you know, to the nth degree, <laughs> something like that. It's like, hmm, it, it's, uh, yeah, not the way we ordinarily think about things. Yes, just do it. Just thinking Brahma's receiving this at the time of creating the universe, but he doesn't seem to adjust his creation. Still, as the Bhagavatam goes on, we hear that you know, the avatars come and it's Vishnu Tattva. And I was just thinking, Brahma is still just overseeing kind of karma and, and the material energy. So it seems like this is his own revelation because he needed to know and he needed the energy to create. He's not like adjusting creation to like get this knowledge out there or, you know, I mean, maybe as Brahma Haridas, he's with Nityananda. Well, he has his task. He's a Brahma. He has his task. He has his purpose. His purpose isn't to be an itinerant preacher, and if Brahma took sannyasa, it would be a problem. Mm-hmm. 
for the world. He has his his, his business. He's a, he's a paradigmatic figure also that represents karma mishra bhakti. Now here, this Brahma is becoming a, a raganuga bhakta, but um, he has got one foot in the world and he's busy with that and he's trying to dovetail that and so forth. So he, you know, he has his task. It's 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 not like. He just joined the ashram or something. Brahma, Brahma just decided to convert, and you know, he got a guru, and now he's going to leave his post or something like that. That's. He's using this knowledge as inspiration, and he seemed to have a necessity for it. Yeah, well, he gets the karma bija, so he has the power to do the work of creation, and in such a way that it will foster the pursuit of the uh, ideal. Of brain bhakti, and, and of course, Brahma, characteristically, the Brahma gets liberated at the end of his life. Hmm? This Brahma, of course, didn't because he had to take birth as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leela, which is which is special because he's not, he's not going to go to Vaikuntha, he's going to go to Goloka. But typically, Brahma does is is a very pious person, and as he's understood paradigmatically, and then he 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 as a as a figure that represents you know. Like I say, bhakti with some admixture of uh, worldliness, and so he, you know, he he follows the Varnashram <laughs> and it, kind of the system, and then he has bhakti as his ideal, and and uh, he completes his work, and then he goes to Vaikuntha. That's the the general idea. <laughs> so he's 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 not like us. Our position is is different. Can't expect him to go now. Is he going to go out now and, and preach? I mean, he said manifest the Vedas. You know, not in a written form, but through the Veda, the world. It's a very esoteric concept of the manifestation of the world. He, he has his task. He's a god, not like one of us. Avatars come, they broadcast, they teach. Brahma's, Brahma's in his world. You know, what is he doing there? You study the Bhagavata, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, you see what he's doing in the world, in his, in his, in his Brahmalok. He's worshipping Vishnu there. Now, this is a special case for Brahma. He's, he's got the... Uh, this is particular Brahma, particular... Um, manifestation of Bhagwan, teaching him in a particular way, giving him Kambij, Kama Gayatri, Gopal Mantras is described, for example, in Brahma Samhita, same incident. What else? He has to manifest the world, so Bhagwan can descend in different avatars and all right, we'll stop there. Grantaraj, Srimad Bhagavat Ki Jai.